We're all advocates. We're the backbone. We're the backbone of the nation. We're the backbone of the state of Texas. Creates a healthy community. So, you know, eat local, buy local, support your local farmers. Welcome back to another episode of The Advocates. I'm Wade Howard, joined by my co-host, Dan Sell. I want to thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Dan, where are we headed? Well, well, Wade, we're headed to Seminole, Texas, to a man named Obrey Martin. Uh, We're going to talk about peanuts and high-mileage farm trucks. Ubri Martins, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing great. Dan, how are you tonight? I am here. That's about it. <laughs> well, glad y'all could be here tonight. Uh, Ubri, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, uh, my name is uh, my name is Ubri Martins, and Ubri is my nickname. My legal name is Abra Martins. So I think Dan's a little happier now already. <laughs> yeah, I'm still curious about that name. <laughs> yeah. So I think we'll get to that yet, but uh, but yeah, I'm a farmer here in what we call West Texas, but uh, the area is uh, Gaines County is where I live, which is Seminole, and I farm in uh, Terry County and Yoakum County, which the closest towns would be Brownfield and Plains, Texas. I don't know if I'd say if I'd call Plains much of a town. Yeah, that's it's there. <laughs> it is there. It it's is on there. the map. <laughs> you, you you can get diesel there. Yeah, it's got a Dairy Queen, so it counts. Oh well, hey. that's done it's deal. A stop sign of Texas, right there. So, all right, you you already mentioned that I'm curious about your name. I still can't wrap my rant head around pronouncing it. Ubri, where where does that come from? I, I'm I'm really curious. All right, so like I said, uh, my legal name is Abram, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I don't know if you guys know it, but I am a Mennonite. That's mm-hmm. my background. And us Mennonites, we have a language called Plotich. It's a dialect of German. And in that language, Abram is Ubram. Ah. And it just escalated from Ubram to Ubri. So it's the beginning's the same. And there's a lot of a lot of Ubrams around. And one day my cousin just blurted out Ubri and he laughed and it stuck. Ah, I get you. Well, that's the end. The end. Is that enough? Or is that, <laughs> yeah. is that interesting enough for you? <laughs> that works. That's very interesting. Yeah. I've uh, so. I've worked with some Mennonites before, and I've always heard y'all, or I've heard them talk, how, how y'all, or what do you call it? It's not German, but it's kind of like it. And uh, uh, I, can, I can pick up on some words, but other words, it's just like, what did you just say? And so y'all's in, y'all's, uh, Y'all's way of speaking that way is really interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, like you said, it is. It's a dialect of German, uh, but I guess it has a name. It's called Plotdeutsch, Deutsch, which means German, mm-hmm. and that's what it is. But, but yeah, a little bit more about myself. I, like I said, I farm in two counties. I farm mainly cotton and some peanuts, and uh, I ha- only have one hired hand, and uh, everything I farm is irrigated. So that's an adventure of itself, and our our water down here is pretty low compared to what what y'all got up north. So I I want to I want to get into the farming a little bit more. You said you, you farm cotton, and there's there's a bunch of cotton in that part of Texas. Um, it's it's jokingly said yeah. like that's the world's yeah, biggest cotton, cotton field, Lot, lots and lots of cotton. But I, I really want to talk about the peanuts. Um, there okay. there are a bunch of peanuts in that part of the world. Also, why why do the peanuts work so well in that? Terry, Yoakum, Gaines County area of Texas? Uh, 
we have really good dirt down here. It's, it's a very sandy mixed dirt with a clay, but more on the sandy side. And peanuts love sand. And uh, I think that's a big factor. And we get we get a lot of heat, and it's pretty dry out here. So we mix all those things together. You got your uh, heat units, got your great sandy dirt, and you got you know occasional rain that help. But then we have our mainly it's our irrigation. So if we have a field that has very light water, mm-hmm. um, let's say you know a lot of areas we have a seven tower pivots mainly around here. So uh, if I have under a lot of people that have under three hundred fifty gallons per seven tower, they may not plant peanuts because they need more water and cotton. Um, but another thing that why they do so great out here is during our harvest, it's more of a chance it'll be dry out here, and our peanuts a lot of times if they don't get rained on, they'll stay nice and golden. Mm-hmm. And uh, people love that about peanuts when they don't get rained on. Once you know, like once you dig them, because once you dig them, they're upside down, and if they get rained on, they change color. So a big thing around here why people love our peanuts is if they're the nice golden peanuts. Gotcha. So how does a how does a peanut harvester work? I've seen them, but I've never been able to been up. I've never been able to get close up to one during harvest and so you have to dig the peanuts up first right with a different tool and then you harvest them yes sir you uh you come in with a digger some people call them inverters and Mm -hmm. basically it has uh blades on the bottom that go right under the root and then it has uh shaker bars that take it to the top and in the back it's got some rollers that flip them and Mm -hmm. if you're ever curious you can go watch those videos i have on youtube and it Mm kind of you can kind of see how it works and then you let them dry for about a week average and then you mm-hmm. come in with a combine so is it does it have any like is it is the digger itself run by a pto or anything or is it all just mechanical with the with everything that's flowing the the older ones are ran by pto the newer ones you got a hydraulic pump you just plug into your tractor okay gotcha so with the harvester like it's almost like cotton you you've got like an accumulator Almost, and then you have a basket that you'll transfer them to, correct? You mean like at the end of the field, like a big basket? That's what we, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. We call that a peanut bin, and I think that's in our that's the West Texas area thing. I have not seen people use those in, in Georgia. Georgia is very big on peanuts. Mm-hmm. And there might be some down there, but I've never seen anybody online post a picture of their peanut bin. But but yeah, the the combine itself has, has, a, has its own basket, and then we dump it into the peanut buggy. And the reason why we have the bins on, on the corner of the field is those big bins will fit about three full truck loads. And during harvest, you know how buying points get busy mm-hmm. to send your trucks. So you can fill up three trucks while you're waiting for a truck. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, it works really well. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I've just, I have friends that, that heart or run peanuts and, and you too as well, but I've never been able to get close. So I'm, I'm, glad to learn some about it do you just plant it with plant peanuts with just a, a normal planter or is there a different tool for that yes sir i use the same planter as my as my cotton planter i just have a 12 row it's a, a 1720 uh i guess john your planter okay. all you gotta do is, is switch to seed plates and then you can go and of course really set yeah and of course set your your uh your amount you want to plant that's gonna be very mm-hmm. different but other than that it's so- you, go ahead uh, what's your, what's your population for, for like peanuts? 
uh, is it a big seed? I'm still trying to wrap my head around this. Dan, Dan it's a peanut. Yeah, do you know, <laughs> you know? Well, I guess that's true. I never. You're planting a straight peanut, and that's it. There's no no nothing different. Correct. Yeah. Uh, okay. They'll have a coating around them, like like a red coating for for some bugs and stuff. And okay, but you know, uh, the size of them is depending on the variety. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Huh. Well, I should probably. And- look into that more next time before we talk to somebody about these things because need some information <laughs> you you mentioned the size varies with variety what are what are some of your personal favorite varieties to to throw in the ground uh i really like the i guess uh virginia i guess variety uh seems like they're a little easier to grow but uh the valencia is the smaller one and some people have really good luck with them but i have not and mm-hmm. I actually had uh, two years I had a circle of organic Valencia and that worked out decent. Mm-hmm. But my, my favorite would be a, I guess, Virginia win. That's it. That's a good variety. So organic. Uh, so I guess like with cotton, you can use different chemicals to control weeds, but with peanuts, it's different. How, how do you go about that? Uh, I mainly just ho- uh, hire, I guess, hoe hands. I don't know if oh, you know really? what that is. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, so yeah. so you're taking teams of guys that are just running through each row on each field with a hoe to chop weeds. That's it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it's very much the same as what I do with cotton or probably like you do with Milo. We uh, come in with burn down and put down a yellow, some kind of, uh, I guess, preventative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once that expires, some people, I know a lot of people, they'll... Uh, I guess you can spray 2,4-D on peanuts. Mm-hmm. And you, I guess your other brands, uh, I guess Buterac, all those, you can do that. But the problem is it always sets your peanut back. It does not like it. It can it can take it, but it will, it will always uh, kind of damage it and slow it down. So right. if you keep up with your, I guess, residuals, which which I tried last year, and it worked, it worked decent. I did like a, I guess, residual pre-plant, and I did one kind of in the middle. And then uh, between that, I had to hire uh, different crews to hoe the field two times. Mm-hmm. And in the long run, it cost me a little bit more than what I had in my cotton with Roundup and Dicamba. Okay. So, Uber, I'm going to change subjects here. But the main reason I follow you on Instagram, or when I started following you, is, is you take awesome pictures, man. I'm I'm always impressed. I, I'm like uh, right now. I'm I'm definitely stalking you. Just looking through different pictures. I gotta quit saying that on my pod on the podcast here. People are gonna think I'm weird. But uh, I'm I'm looking through your pictures, and I mean there is not one that isn't just stunning. Whether it's uh, you running through the field with just a uh, plow or something, and it just looks so cool with the lines and everything, or sunsets or or whatever. So. What got you started into like photography? I guess from young on, I've always liked uh, I've always liked pictures and cameras, and basically, I guess uh, I guess I guess anything cool and new. And uh, I've always took thousands, thousands of pictures on my phone, always running out of memory. And then last few years, I guess, I kind of started started doing some edits on them, just messing around. Mm-hmm. And I guess the results of seeing an edit and just, just seeing how pictures can turn out, and just tr- trying to, I guess, try my best to make it look good. It's just, I guess, one of my passions, and mm-hmm. it's one of, I guess it's one of my only hobbies. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. So you use a drone and just your phone for pictures, right? Or do you use a camera now? Uh, I've been using a bigger camera too in the mix for the last uh, two years now. Uh-huh. And but yeah, I, I, I bought a, a big Canon camera. And I guess when I bought that thing, I got a little bit more passionate to to learn more about it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I get you. Also, and also when I bought my drone, I got my first drone in 2016. That's when I really got passionate about it to get those, you know, the the views from top and different angles yeah. and all that. And and then I posted something online when I first got it, and I, I seen how uh, how many people reacted and how many people liked it, and then mm-hmm. that just went with it. And I guess I really fell in love with it uh, from there. Yeah, I agree. It's awesome. I I think you do great job. Oh, well, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, when you're when you're out in the field, and I'm I'm looking at a at a picture here where. I guess there's some some big mule deer out there. Do you do you go out there thinking like, man, I want to take a picture of this today, or take a picture of that, or does it just kind of happen? Like you just see something happen, you just see something out there, and you're like, man, that that's a cool picture. I need to take that. Yeah, most of them are just like you said; they just happen. Uh, you know, some of them, if you look through some of my pictures, uh, a lot of or not, I don't know if a lot of it, but uh, lately, a lot of the pictures I've taken are not of my equipment. It's either friends or family. And those, you know, I plan to go there and take pictures with them. But uh, like the one on the mule deer, you know, you just you just show up and then there's a herd of mule deer and you're like, got my camera here, got my, you know, and that was with my big camera with the zoom lens. So I'm really glad I had that thing mm-hmm. because the phone could not get, you know, a picture that close of them that clear. Yeah, definitely not. So it just happened, you know, like most of my stuff is just at the moment, like, you know, this is, this is a good spot. And that's why I love being able to do what I do to share, uh, I guess, agriculture, because out here in West Texas, it's pretty, I would say it's pretty ugly country, uh, flat and dry. You see mesquites, CRP, and blowing peel, that's what you see. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so but if I can, you know, certain opportunities, you get that beautiful sunset or a picture of a crop, you know, it, it's, it just looks almost better than what it actually is out here. Yeah, I get you. So uh, I'm, I'm still stalking you, but I, I you're – on a lot of your posts, there's there's uh, there's scripture and there's there's personal thoughts from you about your faith and everything else, and even your your Instagram handle is faith and farming. Uh, tell us a little bit about your faith and and why you're so passionate or why you're so open with it on in a in a platform that a lot of times does not uh, appreciate uh, faith or religion of any kind being uh, put out there. Well, for me, uh, I guess I'll, I'll kind of backtrack here. Uh, I accepted Jesus in my life in 2015, mm-hmm. and I became very passionate about my faith, and I, you know, I wanted to be the real deal. And I became really on fire for Jesus, and I, and I wanted to share that. And uh, I was also, you know, I was in the tractor a lot, and taking pictures and stuff. And you know, I wanted to share all these things, you know, share the pictures that I take and also share some videos and also want to share my faith because i want to be real so i figured i would make that instagram page uh where i combine them you know faith and farming right yes sir and that's kind of where it started and i guess uh you know at at times it gets a little hard to share your faith you know you're not always feeling the most spiritual you have your weak points in life and but my goal is to keep going and you know even though i don't feel up for it even though a lot of times it's not popular to do it, my goal right. is, to, is to keep doing it. And yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I, it's hard. I, I try to do the same. I'm probably not as open as you are just because, I, I mean, I, I don't think about it probably. And that's something I need to work on. But I, I just appreciate the the willingness to do it. And that's the thing is, is Instagram. It's it's a weird platform. And there's always somebody with a different opinion or, or a negative uh opinion and it's real difficult sometimes to to share do you get any ha- uh throwback from that or or do you mostly have people who follow you that understand your faith and or don't even understand it but you're still willing to to push through that and accept that for who you are uh, you know just from my standpoint how does that work for you uh so far i have not gotten anything i guess i guess in response that are like negative towards me or yeah mm-hmm asking, you know, why this, why that? The, the only thing I have uh, realized is, you know, since, since I guess what my page is about is in the name, I think people like that mm-hmm. probably avoid it. Yeah. And, and a lot of times uh, I'll post a picture that's not faith related. You know, like I don't, I don't do faith on every post I do. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the next time I'll post, you know, some of my, my deep thoughts, some scripture, I'll, I'll realize, you know, three to four or five, six people will unfollow me. Really? And, yeah, and to me, it's no big deal, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, it just shows, you know, shows that's not what they wanted. That's fine with me. But to yeah. me, it's crazy. It's crazy how a lot of times I'll I'll post something like that. It's you know a little bit deeper than just a happy verse. Those are the ones that that will unfollow you more, because you know if, if you post just a verse, you know something motivating, that's good. But you know people aren't going to think that much. But if you post something personal, a lot of times that's when I, I'll see people. You know, a lot of times only one or two people will unfollow. Yeah, I understand that for sure. Yeah, it it seems like if they don't, they're just there for for the cool pictures and stuff. And it, if it it doesn't agree with them, you'll lose followers. Usually, every Sunday when I post a Bible verse, or at least when I tr- remember to, on average, I'll lose about fifty followers. And wow, it's it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it and you don't notice it as much, but or at least I I don't, and I try not to be about followers. But at the same time, there's a little voice in the back of my head that says, you know, if you didn't do that, you probably would have more followers, more more likes, and it's real easy to get all caught up in in the the realm of Instagram and all that. And so oh, yeah. I appreciate you you still being willing to do that because it it's tough sometimes. I'm not gonna lie. Oh yeah, no, I feel with you there. I, uh, you know, and I've actually listened to, to some podcasts that you've been on lately, and mm-hmm. and you share about your faith there and how you know, you say right away, you know, I'm not a perfect person, and I'm not nowhere, <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not nowhere near that either, and I, I don't want anybody to think that I got it all together now that you know I'm I'm bold enough to share faith on on social media, right? Uh, but you know, there's times where I I, uh, I also kind of feel like, well, if I don't if I kind of stop posting more faith stuff, I know I know I'll get more followers. And, you know, everybody, like everybody wants more followers. That, that's just in us, you know, mm-hmm. but really doesn't matter. But that's kind of how it works. Uh, but I'm guessing, I guess you got pretty high up there. So, yeah, that's pretty well, crazy. It is pretty crazy. And it's it's hard to imagine that that many people would even care about a just a farmer. But that's the cool thing about being an advocate. I, I think that uh, everybody that we have interviewed on this podcast so far has definitely had a, a part in in the social media realm or even in political realm, whatever it is, to be an advocate, which basically is just 
being someone who uh, will share about agriculture on a bigger platform than just maybe sitting around at the coffee shop. And and that's the thing I love about Instagram. And yours is awesome, man. I wish that I could just give followers to you because you take such cool pictures and yet you still back them up with faith. And, you know, advocation, that's kind of what we're all about with this podcast. And I appreciate your willingness to just do that. It's really cool. I, I really like it. Yeah, I, I really enjoy it to be able to uh, share a little bit of our, about agriculture and then, you know, try to kind of share my faith. You know, I hope it, it has inspired somebody and, and and my goal is to keep going, going from here. And what's crazy is uh, I've, I actually have a lot more followers on, on my Facebook page and Instagram, and usually it's vice versa. Uh, mm-hmm. Most pages have a lot more uh, likes on Instagram than Facebook, but mm-hmm. I think since... Facebook is more of a little bit older community. Uh, yeah. And also, you know, you have to able to share there, you know, because on Facebook, I'm right over 5,000 followers. Wow. And on Instagram, I'm still like right under 2,000. So that's a big difference. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. I had actually did not know that. I'm going to have to follow you on Facebook. Yeah, I, uh, I guess I post the same things on both of them. And it's mm-hmm. crazy to see the difference. And I think, I think it has part to do with you can share on Facebook and also uh, the older generation is more on Facebook and they're more open to faith than, than everybody that's younger, uh, you know, like my age and your age. Right. That is true. Do you, do you get the same kind of engagement on both platforms as far? Like if you, I mean, we post in a, a picture of a cotton field or a, a picture with a, a tractor with a, with a Bible verse overlaid it. Um, do you get the same kind of reaction on both platforms from, from your followers? Uh, I guess I'll actually get more likes on Instagram, even though the followers are so much lower. But uh, I'll I'll get more shares and more comments on, on Facebook. So so people like what you're posting is what is what what's what what I'm getting at. I guess I think so. Good. Um, you know, there's there's something else, and, I, and I'm not trying to steer away from Jesus. Um, oh, you're good. But there's something else on your on your Instagram page that that really intrigues me, and that that is the white Chevy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm with you, Wade. Sorry. Am I, am I right to say that thing over has over 400,000 miles? Yes, sir. So tell us about your farm truck. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's a 2011 GMC Duramax. And right now, I think we're I'm right shy of 414,000. I think I need like 60 miles. And then we're at 414. Wow. That's, That's a long ways. That is a lot of miles. Yep, sir. And... Uh, transmission and engine still completely stock and the i've had to replace the injection pump on it it didn't go out but they have a faulty injection pump on the 11 through 16s and i switched it out to a better one quite a long time ago and that's the main thing i've done on it besides your regular wear and tear parts you know front end parts brakes and all the small things so what in your opinion and you've had this this one truck for for a long time what makes a good farm truck for those out there, maybe they're in the market for a new farm truck? Uh, I guess I can say buy, uh, I guess buy a Duramax, buy a Chevy. But <laughs> that's, that's being biased. You know, I'm a, I've always been a GM fan, but right now I see that a lot of the makes are, I guess they're doing good. But mainly, that, I don't think it matters what you have. I think just treat it like you want it to last. And that's all you can do. You can try that. Some are going to last longer than the others. And 
give it some good service, change your oil when it needs to, change your air filter when it needs to, fuel filters, and and then you go. Because mine, I've always driven it like I I do want to keep it, but when I got it, you know, it is a diesel. I did uh, tune it right away uh, and get rid of all that uh, EPA stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And I did that. I did that in the beginning, and I went. I even went to the racetrack, race mini Fords with it in the beginning. That was fun, and it's lasted me this long. I didn't think it would because when I got it, I was man, what was I? Eighteen or let me see. Yeah, I think I was eighteen when I got it. So, uh, or like right under eighteen, and that's almost ten years old now. How much life does she have left in her? Uh, I ask myself that every year because it's been a <laughs> it's been a farm truck. You know, it's rough roads mm-hmm. and uh, the front end making some noise again and a little bit of rattling here and there. But honestly, I don't know. Uh, sometimes get some rough shifts, but that I felt the same way last year. So it's only I guess only time will tell. Right. So Dan, how many miles does your farm truck have on it? Uh. I believe 115, but most of those miles are, are driving between uh, Perryton, Texas, and Weatherford, Texas. And so he's got a good reason. It's okay. That's a very good reason. Best reason in the world, actually, <clears throat> for me. Uh, all right. I got, we talked about tractors a little bit, but I got to ask you, how was that Challenger tractor? Or was it a, it was a Challenger, wasn't it? Yes, sir. You mean the one that I posted a video of and the picture? Yes. Of? Yes. What did you think of that thing? I got to know. Well, I only rode with a guy for about an hour. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of people after I posted that either, you know, some people think it was, thought it was mine because a lot uh-huh. of people think whatever I post off is my stuff. So whoever's listening, you know, I just want to say not everything I post is mine. I, I actually only have one big tractor. So if you see a different one, it's not mine, but I rode with him for about an hour, maybe a little over and it was really neat. Uh, to truly say if you know if I can how I would compare it to a deer, I think I would have to run it myself for a whole day, you know. But just go, just going with it was really nice. Uh, it was actually pretty quiet. The engine was really quiet. Didn't sound like I was running. Uh, the cab space was not as nice as a deer, in uh, my right. opinion. But besides that, he had you know I think he had like four hundred twenty five horsepower. He wasn't even using uh, wow. half of it. He wasn't he wasn't even using half of it plowing that field. So as far as that, I can't really say, you know, how good it was on yeah. horsepower. But I get other, you. Than that, other than that, I think they look really cool. Like looks wise, I think it looks good. So what's, okay, so I'm going to ask you, I'm going to get into the tractor side of this thing because that's what I know more of. But with uh, with tractors having more and more horsepower, especially the front wheel assist, do y'all have any issues? Like, so y'all are, you're, you're needing a, a row crop style front wheel assist you can't really utilize a four-wheel drive at least for the most part especially once you 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 dig your uh rows for for peanuts and stuff do you do many people around there use anything else but a, a front wheel assist or there's some four-wheel drives out there that do the do stuff too there is a very few big four-wheel drives around here uh one of the guys that knows is i guess neil gabe which i'm sure you uh-huh. see. i've seen he has one and then some other big farmers they will have them but they're the big, uh, most likely they're the big dryland farmers that have those mm-hmm. the, those huge dryland blocks, and then they'll use their front load or their big four wheel drives for uh, big fuel cultivators and big air seeders. But mm-hmm. mostly, mostly it's just I guess row crop tractors around here for the reason 
of us getting into our our rows. And I strip till just about all my stuff right now. I have a cover, and I'm gonna start strip healing here soon. So then you make your, you know, like, I guess you make your strip there, and then you gotta from there on continue to drive. I guess between that. So right, okay, that makes sense. What so with your cover crops? What do you do there? I, I'm I'm interested in that. So right now, some of my rye, uh, I planted early. I planted in September. That stuff, I'm going to actually maybe bale, cut it and bale it. Uh, I got to plant that early because my cotton got hailed out. Mm-hmm. So I got to plant some early rye. So that I might cut and bale and try to you know get some money there. But the rest of it is only probably like a six inches tall right now. Mm-hmm. And... I'm going to run the strip till probably starting next week. And then from there, let it grow probably another month. So it's hopefully at least knee high. And then I come in with my sprayer and, and spray Roundup over it to kill it. And then I just, I guess, wait for it to die and wait till time to plant cotton and come in with cotton. I get you. Okay. That makes sense. Yes, sir. Because our cotton, our cotton, it does not like to get, uh, I guess, I guess blasted by wind or any sand and out here it's very sandy and always windy just like your I guess your area yeah and you get a you get a little bit of windstorm especially after rain we always get a windstorm and then you got all that sand that washed down and here comes the wind and the cotton can be fried in a few minutes so I've gone to trying to have a cover on cotton mm-hmm. I get you that makes sense that makes sense yes sir I'm- but then uh, on peanuts it's different on peanuts uh on peanuts, we like to plow, plow the field, which a lot of people don't like. I've, uh, I've actually gotten more backlash or criticism, you would say, on us plowing out here, me posting videos and pictures of that on online on Facebook and Instagram than I have gotten about my faith. So that's pretty cool or pretty funny, I would say. Yeah. Um, but the reason why I plow or we plow around here for peanuts is, you know, last year I had cotton there and... You got all these stalks that you shred up and then you got all this volunteer cotton comes up. And if you can bury that and have a clean field for peanuts, it's worth a lot. Because when you dig it, it kind of puts everything in a windrow and then you thra- and then you thrash it, which is combining peanuts. You get all the stalks and the trash inside your peanuts. I get you. That makes sense. That, ma- that makes a lot of sense. So you use like a bottom plow. Yeah, it's like, like, I guess they're called switch plows or breaking plows. I don't know what, they, what people call them. Mm-hmm. And that just literally, it just takes the topsoil and flips it over. And it, so, so why don't you just use a disc versus like one of these uh, uh, flip over plows? You mean like a regular disker? Yeah, just a regular old disc. A uh, disker will just kind of push to the side. They'll just, uh-huh. um, and these actually uh, flip their dirt. So you can, if, if you can do a good job, I guess we go about, you know, 12 to 14 inches deep. Mm-hmm. If, you can, if you can set it right, like you, you're going to bury your cotton seed, your old cotton seed trash enough, uh, so it won't come up. Okay. Yeah, and if so you, if you get voluntary cotton in your peanuts, it's you gotta you gotta like pull it out or hold it out because mm-hmm. it's pretty hard to kill. So, do y'all get a hard pan at all? If you're just routinely going with with uh you know twelve to fourteen inches with with that plow, or does that cotton you know, in your rotation, you say, or maybe, uh, does that cotton with that top tap root kind of help with that kind of deal? What do you mean exactly by that? You well, like a of- heart. So I guess different soil too. 
Um, so around here, like if, if you keep plowing at, at the same level for a long time, like four or five, six inches below that, there'll be just a hard piece of soil that hasn't been ruptured or, or broken up. And so that doesn't allow the, the roots to go any further just because it doesn't get uh, tilled up. And so with sand, it's different. I'm, I'm trying to, to figure out, do y'all have like compaction below that if you only use uh, your, your turnover plows to reach 12 to 14 inches? Or does that even matter to y'all with, with sandy soil? Uh, to be honest, I guess it's not a problem. Uh, I've only heard, uh, I've only heard anything about that, uh, very recently and only one time in my life that I've heard about that problem. And, uh, I guess since I've only heard about it one time, I don't think it's an issue around here. I'm not saying right. it's, I'm not saying it's not there. You know, I do believe it could happen, but uh -huh. I guess I do not know enough about it to, to answer that question all the way, but I guess I get you. Our, our, you know, our soil is very sandy and then on the bottom we got clay. So. Yeah, well, that's definitely helpful. I don't know. I, I had to remember that y'all have sand, so it's a, it's probably a, a whole different story compared to what it's like up here. So that, that makes sense. Yes, sir. That, yeah, is, some, that is some very wow. interesting uh, farming conversation that I I always enjoyed learning about new crops. Um, I think Dan would agree with that. Not a lot of peanuts going on in the, the northern panhandle of Texas, if any. Maybe the cartoon, uh. but that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Ubri, why don't you uh, finish out? Tell the folks uh, where they can find you at on social media, uh, and plug any other stuff you want to you want to share with them. Okay, well, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's going to be uh, Faith and Farming. So it's going to be Faith underscore and underscore Farming. And I'm also on Facebook. That's just going to be uh, Faith then the and symbol Farming. So Faith and Farming. And on YouTube. Uh, I just make videos occasionally, and on there it's going to be Ubri one two three. Because right. because somehow uh, in two thousand and eight when I made my YouTube channel, somebody had stolen Ubri. Can you believe that, Dan? No way. How does someone kidding. come up with that? I don't know, but if you if you search if you search Ubri, you're going to see the channel that stole my name. Are his video are his videos any good? No, no, I don't think. I don't think <laughs> I don't think they have any videos. They just stole my name. That's a shame. Wow. <laughs> that is a shame. You can't, there's no Farmer Dan. There's tons of Farmer Dans on YouTube as well. So I, I feel your, I feel your pain uh, yeah. for sure. Well, Ubri, thanks for hopping on with us tonight. Uh, I know we know you're busy. Um, but again, thank, thanks for hopping on with us. Yeah, no problem. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I guess thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you for being on our show.